It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hi, this is Nathan. This week we have students here for our week-long discipleship training. And as such, we've asked some of our staff to give the Daily Thunders for this week. Well, before we jump into today's Daily Thunder, I just want to remind you that online we have all of our past series in Daily Thunder. If you've enjoyed any of the series that we've gone through, you can get all of those as audio downloads by either subscribing in your favorite podcast player or by going to ellersley.com forward slash daily, where you can get a link for all of those series that we've gone through. Well, in today's Daily Thunder, we have special guest Leslie Ludi. And in this message, Leslie's going to be talking about the importance of being strong in the Lord. This morning, I was really praying about what I should share. And I know that those of you who are here for the week long, there's just so much um, that you're taking in in this time. It's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. And so just praying about what would be the most edifying and helpful for where you're at in this journey this week. I feel like one of the most important spiritual truths that I have ever learned is understanding my authority in Christ, understanding the attacks of the enemy against us. A lot of times when we are taking steps forward spiritually, we are starting to awaken to deeper truths. We're starting to go down that path of a deeper, more radical commitment to Jesus Christ. That is when the enemy comes at us and hits us, and we sort of have that bullseye on our head. And if we don't know what's hitting us, if we don't know how to stand against his attacks, a lot of times that can be the end of our pursuit of Christ. That can be the end of our forward progression spiritually. So I want to share with you a little bit about my own story in learning these truths. And this message is, is, was put together pretty quickly, but I, I called it Be Strong in the Lord because it's based on the, the verse in Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I think we so often underestimate the fact that the devil is going about as a roaring lion seeking to devour us and lurking and seeking to deceive and seeking to hit us in any way that he can. For me, the, the area that I was hit in most when I began to really be serious about my Christian walk, about pursuing Jesus Christ with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, the area the enemy hit me in the most was with fear. I began to be gripped by fear. And it, was, it seemed like the more I grew spiritually, the more I struggled with this incredible battle with fear. And I was doing well in a lot of other areas of my life. I was pursuing Christ. I was spending time with him every day. I was seeking to build my life around him. But a lot of times when I would fall asleep at night or I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I would just be gripped by this total panic, really irrational panic and fear. And I remember trying to talk, this was early days of marriage and trying to talk to Eric about it, and it made no sense to him at all because the things I was afraid of just were very illogical. And he was saying to me one time, you know, that's like being afraid that this clock is just going to fall off the wall and fly towards you and hit you in the head. That just makes no sense. But to me, it was very real. And I couldn't seem to shake that grip of fear. And I read in Proverbs 31:25. here's this pattern of a godly woman. And it says that strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. And I realized I am not smiling at the future. 
I am so gripped by fear that I am dreading the future. The only thing I'm expecting when I look ahead to my future are doom and gloom and foreboding and what if this happens and what if that happens. I was really dreading the future, not smiling at it. So I knew that something was wrong in my Christian life. Something was off spiritually if I couldn't smile at the future. That's the pattern that God set in his word, and I wasn't able to do it at that time in my life. I began to read these amazing stories throughout Christian history of men and women who conquered fear and stood up to the most incredible obstacles I could ever imagine. They did it with such boldness and such courage, and it was like a foreign language. I would, I would look at these stories, I would hear these stories and think, okay, how do they get to that point where they are so courageous? For example, Mary Slessor was, an, was a, a missionary to Africa. She was just this fiery, red-headed Scottish woman who wanted to take the gospel to the interior of Africa. And she really was fearless. I, I, she went in as a single woman with very little support, no protection, into the darkest places in Africa where they were just gripped by super, superstition and violence. And she just boldly marched right in there with the gospel. I mean, there were just the, just the terrain alone would have terrified me. I mean, there were snakes and spiders and disease everywhere. But then she's going into these tribes that are just completely controlled by Satan and demonism and witchcraft. And she's just marching right in there with the gospel. And she was not able, she, there was no way she could bring the gospel to people like that if she was gripped by fear. She had to have victory over fear. And when she was, had been a younger woman, she had faced a bully in an alley when she was going to teach a Sunday school class in her hometown. And he had come up to her with this sharp blade and waved it in her face. And she didn't flinch. She didn't back down. She said, God's going to give me courage for this. And that prepared her for what she was going to face in Africa. So there was a scenario I read about where she was in this tribe. And they were about to execute a woman from the tribe for some minor thing that she had done. And they had the woman in a circle, the whole tribe, the whole village was there gathered around her in a circle, and this tribal warrior who was all decked out in his war paint and his feathers and his, you know, scary appearance, and he had a, a cauldron of hot oil, and he had a ladle of hot oil, and he was getting ready to scald this woman alive with this hot oil. And Mary Slester, I mean, what would you do in that situation? I mean, you have this whole tribe around you, this scary-looking warrior who's just, like, chanting and shrieking and dancing around. I mean, are you going to quietly back away? Because that's probably what I would have naturally done. She just ran right into the middle of the circle and went right up to this crazy, wild-eyed tribal warrior holding the cauldron, the ladle of hot oil, and stood there between the woman and this, and this tribal warrior. And she locked eyes with him, and she just refused to move. She just sort of said, you're going to have to get through me first if you're going to kill this woman. And so the tribal warrior got furious, and because nobody had ever you know, stood up to him before. He was like the you know, the exalted one in the tribe. And she just wouldn't flinch, she wouldn't budge. And so he started to dance around her with the ladle of hot oil. And he started to swish it right in her face. I mean, if he had let that thing go, she, her whole face would have been scalded. She didn't move, she didn't flinch. She just stood there and locked eyes with him. And eventually, he, it was like between, they got to the point where their noses were almost touching. They were that close, it was like a standoff. And finally, this, this tribal warrior couldn't handle the courage that he was seeing in her, and he threw the ladle down, and he stomped away in disgust. And all of the village people looked at that and said, maybe there's a power greater than these superstitions that we have been trusting in. Maybe there's something greater than the violence we have been trusting in. What does this woman have? And that actually opened the way for the gospel to take, to take over in that tribe. 
And I thought it all stemmed back to this fearlessness. Where did she get that fearlessness? I don't know that I could have done that. Or Gladys Elward, maybe you've heard the story of her when she went, she was in China and she was told to go stop a riot at a men's prison. So this woman isn't even five foot tall. She has no guards with her. She's just told, you know, you've said that you have the power of God, so go in there. These men are clubbing each other to death. They have machetes. They have weapons. There's dead bodies all over the place, and she's supposed to go in there and stop it. And she's like this little teeny woman. And she, she just went right in there, and, and she was just praying the whole time. She said, okay, God, I can't handle this on my own, but you can do this through me. And she walked in there, and this man with a weapon, I think it was a, a butcher knife or a machete, was coming straight for her, raised it above his head to strike her, and she didn't flinch. She just locked eyes with him and stood there. And he, again, threw the weapon down and, and walked away because he couldn't, he'd never seen that kind of courage before. And she told all of the men, she had no weapons, she had no guards, she just told all of them to put their weapons down, to stop killing each other, and to go sit in their prison cells, and they obeyed her. Because they had never seen that kind of courageous power in, her, in anyone's life before, and that also paved the way for the gospel to take over in that prison. So I, I read these stories, and these are just a few examples. And I think what we tend to do with stories like that is we say, well, that's great for them. That They had a special dose of courage. They had that extra measure of fearlessness that only a few people in every generation get. And, but we could never, I could never do that. I mean, that's for special Christians. Have you ever had that thought? I have that thought all the time. It's like, oh, that's, that's for those people. That's for the people who they write books about. Not, no, you know, not ordinary, everyday Christians like me. I could never do that. I and mean, that's basically what goes through my head when I hear those kind of stories. I could never do that, which is... Very true, none of us could ever do that without the power of God. Here's a quote from Goldburn, which has come back to me many times through the years as I've had those thoughts. The greatest Old or New Testament saints were on a level that is quite within our reach. The same spiritual power that enabled them to become our spiritual heroes is also available to us. Do we believe that? Do we think that those great stories throughout Christian history are just exaggerated or made up or only for special Christians? Or do we actually believe that the same spiritual power that enabled them to become our spiritual heroes is also available to us in Jesus Christ. I know for me, I, I wrestled with this a lot because I thought, you know, I face much smaller challenges than these heroes of the faith. I, I mean, I've never been asked to go and stop a riot in a men's prison where they're killing each other. I've never been asked to face this crazed, wild-eyed tribal warrior with hot oil I've never been asked to face those kinds of things. Just smaller challenges in my life would grip me with panic and fear and paralyze me. And I knew something was missing from my spiritual tool belt. When Eric and I stepped into ministry, a lot of you have heard our our story about this, but we were young, energetic, idealistic. We had all these expectations of what it would be like, and we just sort of fell flat on our face when we actually stepped into ministry because the enemy came after us with everything that he had, and we weren't ready for it. So we were, I was struggling in those early days of ministry with not only fear, but depression and just feeling hopeless and having no vision for what we were doing. We were in a cloud of spiritual attack and we didn't know it. Sprinting toward the battle. Some of you have heard Eric's message on David, King David, when, when he was that young boy in that situation where he was facing Goliath. One of the most amazing parts of his story is from 1 Samuel 17, 48. When the Philistine, this huge hulking warrior, arose and came near to him, it says that he hurried and ran to meet the Philistine, which means to sprint with liquid ferocity. So here's this totally intimidating 
figure coming towards you to kill you, to destroy you, who hates you, and what are you going to do? Are you going to run towards him with liquid ferocity? Because that's what David did. I mean, most of us are like, okay, I'm out of here. He's running towards the danger, towards the battle. What if we were to face every challenge of our lives, every thing that the enemy dangles in front of us as like a fearful scenario and we're to sprint towards it instead of cower from it. It would change so much in our spiritual lives. <clears throat> David ran, sprinted to meet Goliath. Mary Slessor rushed in to meet that warrior with the boiling oil. Gladys Aylward went straight in to the man that was holding up the knife. They sprinted towards the battle. How do we get the strength to sprint towards the battle? And what battles has God called us to sprint towards? Well, just to name a few, victory over sin, living a triumphant Christian life, overcoming sinful strongholds, saying no to fear and doubt, pushing the enemy back, rescuing lost souls around us, bringing glory to God's name in this generation. That's the Christian life. But oftentimes this doesn't even seem realistic anymore because we are gripped by fear. The enemy has us under his thumb. He's controlling us. And as I said, I was very much controlled by fear, and I didn't feel like I was living a victorious Christian life. There was even one time when I ended up in the emergency room because I was, had so much anxiety that I thought, you know, I'm dying. So we, like, went to the hospital because we didn't know what was wrong, and they were like, yeah, you're just having some kind of panic attack. So I started to cry out to God, okay, this is not how you've called me to live. God, I see this pattern in Scripture of sprinting toward the battle, and I'm shrinking from it. And that's when God began to awaken both of us, uh, but Eric and I both, to the pattern of what we call fortification, being fortified against the enemy's attacks. And the first scripture that God led us to was James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We had not ever put that scripture into practice in our, in our Christian life up to that point. We had never done it. We had just sort of accepted everything that was coming at us and just like, okay, we'll have a good attitude through this. And God does say give thanks in all circumstances, but he also says, resist the devil. So we have to be able to recognize when Satan is attacking us, and we have to know what it means to resist him, because this is a, a command in Scripture. And it also comes with a promise. He will flee. Not he might, hopefully he will, sometimes he will. He will flee. It was incredible to meditate on that reality, that if we resist, he will flee. This is a command, and it's also a promise. Also, there are some other scriptures about this. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. It doesn't say like, oh no, he's coming. Just resist. You have the tools to resist. And then take the shield of faith which with, by which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Not some of them, all of them. One of the most powerful portions of scripture that helped me understand spiritual fortification and saying no to enemy attack and resisting the enemy was Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. And that's in some of our other Ellerslie messages. But Nehemiah was tasked with rebuilding this wall around Jerusalem that had broken down. And when he first got there, when he first heard about it, this is what they said. The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach, the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. There was no protection around that city anymore. So the enemy could just get in and do whatever he wanted. And when I read that verse, I thought, that is what's going on in my spiritual life. There is not a strong, protected, fortified wall around my soul, and the enemy is just getting in whenever he feels like it and wreaking havoc in my spiritual life and bringing fear and depression and all these other things. I need to rebuild the wall around my spiritual life, just as Nehemiah did. 
So I went through the whole book of Nehemiah, and it was such a parallel with what God was leading us to do in being established and strong against enemy attacks. So I'm going to just touch on some of the main points that we learned in that time because I feel like this is such a key for where all of you are at right now and where we're at in our, in our culture today. The enemy is coming after us, and we need to understand our authority in Jesus Christ. So understanding our authority. And, you know, I did not grow up <clears throat> in really extreme charismatic circles where you're just like, you know, casting out demons and rebuking the devil and all this kind of stuff. So this came from my need to say there is something missing in my spiritual life. I had seen the perversions and the twistings of these truths in hyper-charismatic circles. A lot of us have. And so sometimes we just avoid this whole area because we've seen the perversion of it. We've seen a fleshly version of it. But there is a very real scriptural truth that is crucial to us living a victorious Christian life. And that's what God led Eric and I to explore in the word of God. So Luke 10, 19, Jesus says something pretty astounding. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Mary Slessor understood that. That's why she went so boldly into Africa. Gladys Aylward understood that. That's why she went into that men's prison riot, because they understood their authority in Jesus Christ. Are we, as modern-day Christians, you know, we're the ones that are called to live this out now. These are people who have, you know, walked it in previous generations. We're called to live this out now. Are we walking in the authority that Christ has given us? Are we spiritually offensive or spiritually defensive? That is the key question, because so many years of my Christian life, I was on the defense. It's like, what's he going to throw at me next? What am I going to do? Instead of like, nope, I have the authority to be offensive and take him down. So understanding enemy hindrance. This was a key for me as well. During Paul's ministry, he talks about being hindered by Satan from a specific purpose that he was trying to accomplish. That's in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. And that word hindered was really interesting because it means to impede or detain or to cut into. He's trying to put barriers and blockades in your way from going where God has called you to go. So have you ever noticed that when you step forward into a specific task that God has called you to, it might be purposeful prayer or ministry to others or sharing the gospel, often something will happen to distract you or discourage you or thwart you or hinder you. Just some crazy thing that will happen. For me, it was, it was sickness. Every time I stepped out to do any kind of ministry, I'd, be, I'd get so sick I couldn't do it. And you, would, you could ask people where we used to be on tour all the time, and in a stretch of my life, probably two years, if you ask anyone who hosted us at their church, they would say, yeah, Leslie was very sick. It was a powerful ministry. She spoke a little. Eric did most of it. She was laying backstage, you know, unable to move. Um, so they would say positive things, but it wasn't because of anything I contributed because I was mostly sick the whole time. And that, that was an interesting pattern because I wasn't sick any, any other time, only when I stood, stepped out in ministry. And that's just one example of how the enemy often tries to put hindrance in our way. A lot of times it's prayer. We try to get serious about prayer, and the enemy just starts going crazy with thoughts and what-ifs and fear and anxiety and distraction and, and all sorts of things where, that hinders us from prayer. And I've known many Christians who have a pretty normal, predictable, peaceful life until they make a decision to really get serious about their Christianity or step out in some kind of ministry. And that's what happened to Eric and I. It was when we stepped out in ministry that we got hit really hard. He wants to snuff out the fire in our soul by whatever means he can. If we're not prepared and ready to resist, oftentimes 
he'll gain victory in our lives. So as we're talking about enemy hindrance and understanding our authority in Jesus Christ, we also need to understand the difference between enemy attack, enemy harassment, and godly discipline. Because this is where a lot of us get tripped up. It's like, well, doesn't God discipline us and allow us to walk through trials? And are we just supposed to have health, wealth, and prosperity if we have authority in Christ? There are actually two different things in Scripture. There's discipline that comes from God where he challenges us, he rebukes us, he corrects us, he tests our faith, he allows us to go through hard times to make us stronger. And then there's enemy hindrance and harassment, which we're called to resist. So Eric and I went through a whole process where we begin to study the difference between godly discipline and enemy harassment in Scripture. And if you are curious about that, it's a very interesting study because anything that makes you stronger spiritually, it can be very hard to walk through it, but it leads to greater spiritual strength, can be seen as godly discipline, but anything that is just hindering you and pulling you away from a victorious Christian life is enemy harassment and attack and is meant to be resisted. So kind of what it all boiled down to, just in a nutshell, since I don't have time to go into it a lot this morning, but it's sort of like the difference between physical training, like athletic training, and you know, somebody just beating you and abusing you physically. So physical discipline, physical training, athletic training is something that is hard and difficult and painful, but it leads to a greater strength in your life versus someone who's just beating you up and pummeling you, that weakens you and it doesn't make you physically stronger. So like physical training, God's discipline brings pain, but it's a healthy, productive pain that leads to greater strength and has purpose and hope. But an attack of the enemy only brings doubt, disillusionment, hopelessness, and defeat. So you have to go to scripture and understand Am I being harassed and hindered by the enemy, or is this something God's doing to make me stronger? And sometimes God can use attacks of the enemy to make us stronger. But to know what to resist and what to submit to, we have to understand the nature of God and the nature of the enemy. So I'm going to go through a few key points for fortification. The purpose of fortification, being strong against enemy attack, is not just so that we can have a comfortable, easy life, and sit on an island and be fed grapes and have health, wealth, and prosperity for the whole, the whole rest of our life. It's so that we can become strong to be poured out for the glory of God. When we are spiritually offensive, we can build the kingdom of God. But when we are weakened and defensive and just fighting off the enemy's attacks and we're just so blurred over by all that he's doing in our life, we cannot effectively build the kingdom of God. God wants to make us strong to be poured out for his glory. The purpose of taking a stand against the enemy is not so that you can just avoid discomfort in your life. He wants to make you spiritually strong so that you can live a sacrificial life for him. He wants to set us free from being preoccupied with our own issues and our own struggles so that we can turn outward and reach others. If you are pummeled by the enemy, if you are harassed by the enemy, if the enemy has the upper hand in your life, the only thing you're thinking about is your own problems and your own struggles and your own issues. You're not strong enough to give the hope of Jesus Christ to others. And that's why God wants to train us how to be spiritually offensive. So here's a strategy for spiritual attack. And this is going through it pretty quickly because I could probably do a whole week on this topic. But these are the most important points that helped us in our journey to become spiritually fortified and build that wall around, around Jerusalem like Nehemiah did. Build that spiritual wall around our, our soul. Because enemy attacks will come if we are serious about our Christian life. So <clears throat> Corey Ten Boom called it closing the circle. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more here. The first thing that Eric and I were led to do were to identify key attack points and then to ask God for specific scriptures and promises to apply to those attacks. So for example, we called it our sacred list. You don't have to call it that, but it's making a list of every area in your life that you feel 
defeated or discouraged or hopeless. You feel like the enemy is winning. You feel like he's getting the upper hand in your life. Ask God to show you, is Satan the one attacking me? Is that why this area is, is such an area of defeat for me? And that's what Eric and I did. I wrote, you know, fear was at the top of my list. How do I overcome fear? I feel like fear has control of me right now. I feel like the enemy is always hitting me with fear. And we had several other areas that we wrote down because we were being attacked on every side, basically. And we wrote, we had a pretty long list. And we began to identify, okay, we do believe this is an attack from the enemy. These are hindrance points that the enemy's set up against us. And then we begin to ask God to give us a specific scriptural promise to resist the enemy attack in that area of our life. Just like Jesus did when Satan began to tempt him in the wilderness, the way he responded was with truth. It is written. And Satan had no argument against that truth. And so, for example, if we were being attacked with false accusation and people saying wrong things, incorrect things about us, which is one of the areas we have been attacked in our ministry, God would give us a verse like, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of those who love me. And so those kinds of scriptures, every time that started to happen in our life, we began to stand upon that scripture and say, this is our reality, not the enemy's reality. So we began to identify those attack points, identify specific scriptural promises, and whenever that area flared up in our life in some way, we would begin to stand firm upon that specific promise that God had given us. It was our first line of, of defense against the enemy's attack. The second thing that we did was to ask God if we were giving the the enemy any ground in our life, any legal access that was enabling him to attack us and control us. Because when we have those gaps in our wall, and usually it comes through willful knowing sin that we're not intending to renounce, the enemy can get in. He can get in, okay, maybe we have a a wall that's 80 or 90% built, a strong fortified wall, but there's still that breach. There's that gap in the wall, and the enemy can sneak in that gap and harass us. And as long as that gap remains open, he's going to have the legal right to get in there. So unconfessed sin, habitual sin, deliberate disobedience to God, harboring bitterness towards another person. Y'all went through the forgiveness message yesterday. Knowing that you are unwilling to forgive someone and refusing to forgive them, that is going to give the enemy access into your soul. Dabbling in satanic activities. This is something that is so light in our culture. You know, the, the, the symbols of death are everywhere. The, the dark spiritual side is just absolutely everywhere, and it's celebrated in our culture. And a lot of times we as Christians treat those things very casually. We watch the movies. We read the books. We wear the paraphernalia, the skulls and the skeletons. But that is all things that are associated with darkness. If we participate in those things, we're going to give the enemy access. And we can't effectively resist Satan's attacks unless we first remove any access that he has within our soul. So in Tramp for the Lord, Corrie Ten Boom, her book, she talks about this woman who was dealing with nightmares. And she was just waking up in the middle of the night with these terrible nightmares. And Corrie led her through a process of saying, do you have any unconfessed sin in your life? And this woman realized that she had hatred towards a family member. And when this woman renounced that hatred towards her family member, that, and she took back, she said, I renounce this sin, I repent of this sin, and Satan, I take back this ground that I've given you in my soul he was no longer able to harass her in the area of bringing nightmares. And so to ask God to show you whether there is anything in your life that is allowing Satan to have access into your soul. Are there people you need to forgive? Is there a specific step of obedience, something you've been clinging to that you're not willing to let go of, that you know God's been touching on, you've been avoiding it? Do you have anything in your past that you've never confessed or made right or repented of, something that you know 
needs to be made right or a restitution that needs to be made with someone. Or maybe you're casually participating in dark things in our culture, watching demonic movies and shows and wearing symbols of death and reading horoscopes. These are all things that, again, the, casual, the culture treats casually, but God doesn't. So if God shows you areas that need to be made right, let him lead you through that process of confessing and repenting and turning from your sin. And if you've given Satan access into your life, declare that you are now taking that authority, that territory back in Jesus' name. And once you've confessed that sin and you've taken back that ground from the enemy, he doesn't have access to that part of your life anymore. So if he tries to come in, you stand on the reality that that sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus. It's been removed as far from me as the east is from the west. You have no legal right here anymore. And third, know your position. Everything that you're learning at Ellerslie is all about your position in Christ. And so whenever Satan seems to be bragging about his control or his power, you can remind him that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You need to understand that the power of God is so infinitely stronger than the power of the enemy. Right now, in our world, Satan is boasting of his power. But it's like that story where the, the Syrian army were, was surrounding and, and the eyes of the servant were open. Those that are with us are greater than those that are with them. So his eyes were opened and there was just a multitude of the heavenly army that so outnumbered the Syrian army. And that's the reality. We need to understand that when we are in Christ, all things are under his feet and therefore all things are under our feet. And that's why he says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you because when we're in Christ, if it can't get to him, it can't get to us. If we take our position and we stand in our position, also, resist the enemy. So once you have identified those attack points and the truth that goes with them, you've removed enemy access, you've closed that circle, you've taken your position and your authority in Christ, resist him. And this can be done in a whisper. It can be done silently. It doesn't have to be a big display. If you know the enemy is attacking you, Stand firm and resist. And even a little child can resist the enemy through the power of Jesus' name. It's nothing that we do. It's the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ, that has power over the enemy. It doesn't come from eloquence or perfection. It comes through the name of Jesus. So take that moment to specifically resist. There was a time in our ministry when every time we would have groups of people come to listen to us, especially I used to do these retreats for girls, and they were like 20 or 30 girls, so not that many. And we would have these times up in the mountains of two or three days of just really digging into the word of God. And girls would come from around the country for these events, or sometimes local, and almost every single time, like half the group would be sick. As soon as we started to dig into the word of God, they would be sick. I mean, we had girls so sick they couldn't even get out of bed or laying on the bathroom floor the whole time. And so half of our group would be sick. And it wasn't anything we were feeding them. It wasn't the water. Like, we were in different locations. It wasn't always in one place. So we're like, okay, something's wrong. So we actually started to proactively resist and say, Satan, you cannot touch these girls. We are here to dig into the word of God. We resist you ahead of time. And suddenly, no more sicknesses. And we had an event a few months after this of 300 girls. So we went from 30 girls where half of them were sick. Then we had a group of 300. And simply by resisting the enemy, we had not one sickness in that group of 300. Resisting the enemy through the power of Jesus' name. And again, it doesn't have to be a big show or display. It can be done silently or in a whisper. As long as you are in, holding your position in Christ and you are standing in the authority of the name that is above every name. And then finally, be consistent until the breakthrough comes. So if Satan has been attacking you in a certain area of your life for quite some time, or 
if you are trying to enter his, his territory, so like missionaries who go into unreached tribes, that's like a territory of the enemy, and he's not going to let that go easily. So it's possible that he may continue to return and harass you even after you start resisting him, and don't be, don't be discouraged by that because you're taking territory. There are sometimes many individual battles to fight before the war is won. Be consistent until the enemy realizes you are serious about resisting him and you are not going to back down. You are taking territory for Jesus Christ, and that may not happen in one day. That's a process, but you need to be consistent and not give up. And a lot of times it's just noise that the enemy is throwing at you. He actually has no power. He has no authority. He wants you to think he still does, and you have to stand your ground until he finally backs away. And that's what happened in the book of Nehemiah. When those enemies finally realized that their threats were not getting through and this wall is going to be built, they just, they just left. They just went away. They, they surrendered that territory. But they made a whole lot of noise before they finally did. So ask God to show you how often you should be resisting Satan. If, if there's an area that he's constantly hitting you, in, in some cases it could be daily. In some cases it could be a proactive step that you take in advance, like what we started to do with those conferences that we were doing. If you are faithful and consistent, you will be able to pull down enemy strongholds and gain that territory through the power of the name of Jesus. And finally, a wonderful meditation as we wrap up this message is the power of Jesus over the power of the enemy from Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This isn't just a little bit of power over the enemy. This is all authority. And that's the authority that he has given to us. So if you have felt weak and defeated in your Christian life, ask God to show you where Satan is coming after you and stand in the promises of God and the authority that you have in Jesus Christ. Begin to resist and ask him to make you offensive and not defensive so that you will be strong to live a poured out life for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the authority that you have given us through the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And I pray for every single person in this room that we would know where the enemy is seeking to attack, that we would have the wisdom and the guidance of your spirit to close up gaps in our walls spiritually, to repent of unconfessed sin, to say, nope, Satan, you cannot have that territory anymore. I'm taking it back through the authority of Jesus' name. And I pray that you would build us into triumphant Christians that resist the devil and watch him flee, that overcome fear, and that become offensive in your kingdom for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. And our weekend service is streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.